Hello and welcome to the Hype Collective podcast. I'm Joshua Kappa, Youth Marketing Assistant here at Hype Collective and University Student. And I'm Paul Stollery, Creative Director at Hype Collective. So if you haven't heard of us, we're a student marketing agency and we work primarily across experiential marketing, content production and research. Now, uh, towards the end of last year, we were speaking to a load of students uh, about how we could help them uh, take their first steps in their careers. And pretty much all of them said the same thing. They said, we want to find a mentor. And we thought working in the industry, that'd be something that we could probably help them out with. We started Hype Mentoring at the top of 2018, a scheme that connects young people to the creative industries. And in our first Hype Collective podcast series, we'll be chatting to some of our amazing mentors about how they got to where they are now and what advice they'll have for students and young people beginning their careers. It's like feeling you need to not give your 100% to everything, every project that you do. Your client only needs 70 or 80% of your and of your output like and not to say that that's not good um but you just don't need to constantly think that you can't put anything down on paper unless it's 100 percent amazing and the best idea in the world it's okay to fulfill your clients needs or project needs at 60 70 percent because it's still really fucking good yes and then like you know it's just like and then also the idea that Hey, I'm Joshua Capo. And I'm Paul Follery. And this is Hype Collective's Meet the Mentors. This week, we're speaking to Poonam Chauhan, founder and creative director of Moon Creative, about the intricacies of the creative industry and how to keep being creative in it. Hope you enjoy. Hi, I'm Poonam. Second name? Yep. Hi, I'm Poonam Chauhan, um, and I run my own design studio called Moon Creative, of which I've given myself the title Creative Director. Mm. Um, I'm not entirely sure that's the correct title. I think titles are varied, and uh, there's lots of them. Um, but essentially, I run my own design business or creative business that deals with uh, branding, marketing, identity, encompasses a lot. It's, a, I guess, a fully servicing agency in some aspects. And, and what is what is fully servicing for, for, like, for, the, for the students that are listening? Yeah. What does fully servicing agency mean? To me, I suppose it means that I like, um, I guess that it, for me it means that it dips into, there's not one speciality, although actually I probably would say that branding and identity is, is my speciality, is our speciality. Um, but we also do... Um, marketing collateral, website design, videography, uh, campaign work as well, above the line, below the line, which again is a whole other area of marketing um, and channel marketing as well. So digital and print and direct mail. So loads of different areas, I think I would say. And if we can't in-house, if we don't have the skill set, then I will... We will look outside and recruit and subcontract the the specialists to help with projects, which keeps it like a very lean, less overheads cost to the business. Mm. That sounds like a lot of stuff. It is a lot of stuff. I've just realised. <laughs> like, oh yeah. But I suppose for me, when I when I started out as a, I studied graphic design mm. uh, at university, and when I 
started with graphic design like 15, 20 years ago, there was no specialists, uh, there was no specialisms, or not as much. There was maybe like typography and not even digital design was that big. Um, it was just graphic design encompassed a lot of stuff. It encompassed UX, UI, mm. print, digital, everything. So um, when I say, when I learn as a graphic designer, we learn a lot of stuff. And mm. I, find, I found that harder as I got older and there's younger generations who are very specialists and I'm like, wait, do you not do your own artworking? Like I do everything. I'll do the quoting, the initial meetings all the way through to the end invoicing with all the artworking and the going to print and the supply handling and the design concepts and everything. So mm. um, I found that interesting that actually people were really specialist in certain things. Mm. Wait, I don't know what my point was. <laughs> no, to be fair there wasn't really no there was, wasn't yeah no it was just like, like I do um, a lot of stuff yeah oh, it yeah. was just like ex- that's exploring how I was that bro- that's how I was brought up as a designer yeah. and I think it, it's actually a lot more different these days you actually specialise maybe perhaps earlier on maybe mm. I don't actually know I'm very out of touch with university students I, I, I found that so, so I've, I've worked across so again I, I call myself creative director yeah I think it's a title that works for a lot of what my job is yeah but then also it definitely doesn't fit with a lot of other parts of my job right. and I think yeah it's, it's, it's a nice it's a nice title it is um, and it's not a lie <laughs> but at the same time it probably doesn't you know it never fully covers off no um, everything you do but mm. I think a creative director means it's a different thing in every agency agreed like, agreed like an agency I used to work at the, the creative director um his job was to come up with campaign ideas, which yeah. is traditionally what you think of as a creative director's job. Right. However, his job was also to go out and win clients. He was essentially like, yeah, you know, it's a, a new 40% business as well. was a new business. Mm. And so, but like, it means like every time I meet someone who's creative director, I'm like, so what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is interesting. But yeah, I, I think I, I definitely have a really broad background as well. And I guess I'm, why do you, obviously I know that your kind of training led you to that more sort of broader sort of take on what it means to be a, a designer and, and, and then a creative but do you think there's anything that you personally like that you've like about you personally that, that makes you better fitted to a broader role was it you know is there any particular reason why you think that you haven't chosen to specialize I like to muck in I'm really nosy as ah. well so I can't I mean I guess that's probably also why I have my own business as well I run my own business I like to be have my foot in everything and be aware of everything I think that makes you a better all-round creative as well if you understand the different processes about creative conception and artworking and even invoicing and and my first design job my creative director then she it was a small studio in Farringdon and it was everyone mucks in whether you're Mm. the junior designer or the creative director I was loading the dishwasher just like she was and we were all doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really nice... I think it's it's good to have awareness. I think it's great to specialise as well. For me, it works to be... I'm just really nosy. Mm-hmm. I like to, yeah, have view of everything. Um, and it makes you a little bit more versatile, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. And adaptable. I'm very adaptable to... I've worked in-house, client-side, agency-side. Um, but what I also found working in-house was... I felt a little trapped within my role. I felt like you couldn't really push out of the responsibilities of your role if you did in the corporate environment. It was like, wait, what are you doing? 
Mm. And I was like, wait, I just want to help. I just want to be part of this and listen in on this and see if we can help you with different departments. And I found that was not really uh, looked upon favorably in some corporate environment environments. So um, I think owning my own business and working in a smaller studio, in a smaller agency works better for me personally because I'm just really nosy. <laughs> mm, that's yeah. interesting how you put it as like being nosy and like just yeah. trying like... I just want to um, know. Yeah, just knowing like what's going on in this department. I'm so like that. <laughs> I am. I love it. I love asking, so what's going on? Yeah, what's going on? Can I help? Is <laughs> something literally, happening? Literally me. Um, but that's, that's, very, that's very cool in the sense that... Um, the whole spirit of mucking um, mucking up together and yeah. doing different things yeah. together as a studio. I think, um, I mean, I, I speak to quite a few like people in um, whether they're in house or whether they're like um, agency side, and we've almost come to a stage now in the industry where that's your job role, and right. that's what you're sticking to, yeah. and that's it. Even though like the world of work is slightly changing, yeah. um, not slightly, drastically changing. <laughs> yeah. um, to not allow for that anymore. Right. So it's interesting to um, find people who are still very much in the sense of, I want to do everything. I want to help with everything as much as I can. I wonder if that's an older generation, slightly older thing as well. Like I'm 36. Mm. I don't know if I spoke to somebody in their 20s, whether they'd be actually, no, it's my job role. This is, and also I'm the owner of my business. So screw everyone else. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll sort it out how I want it to be. And mm. I love the idea of, I got into design because of collaboration, because of, I didn't want to sit by my, behind a desk, behind a screen, working by myself in like isolation. That was never about what creative was to me. It was always about, oh my God, there's this awesome people around doing awesome things in totally different areas to me. I want to work with them. I want to collaborate with them. I feel like it's a better end result or project and even an amazing process to be able to go through that with other people rather than working on your one bit your one role your one responsibility which yeah was quite hard when I was in a proper job as I like to call them proper jobs proper jobs (laughs) we've talked about versatility and obviously when you run your own business it's always going to be more versatile because you're the boss right yeah um you, you've you've said you've worked both in-house and, and agency side. Do you find the whole, like, um, being confined to your job role, do you find it worse on either of those two sides? Or is it kind of a similar, like, because for me, when I was in-house, I was very clearly defined. Mm. But then when I was agency, as long as what I was doing was billable, they'd be like, oh, sweet, you know, SEO, yeah, go on and fine, we've got like, that, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. Did, did, did you find... One of them was more versatile, or were they both quite prob- like, a bit of a problem? I think definitely in-house, like you say, it's very defined. Um, it was weird, because actually, in the company, I was I was working for three as a senior creative, and their whole idea is that you're supposed to um, get involved with other things and other departments. I mean, that was their ethos, the reality of it. It was more about people. Mm. And, you know, people were very like, wait, are you encroaching on me? on my job are you trying to take my job agency wise I think it's hmm, I've hmm, not sure it's still quite defined but you're right it is more about bottom line Mm. and don't waste time Mm. whereas I found in-house I could waste time Mm. 
Mm. Um, they weren't, yeah. you know, they didn't really care. Not in, a, not even in a bad way, but it yeah. was like, wait, what are you doing when you're an uh, agency? It's like, well, I was just gonna, you know, and they're like, no, you need to do this and like this. So yeah, there's no such thing as knowing someone's billability right in house, is there? No, so, no, so, exactly. So, whereas at an agency, it's like. Okay, well, you were only billable seventy hours last month. Exactly. Your target was one hundred and forty. Like there, there's no sort of like, like sort of, I guess a, a binary number where you're either over or you're below it. Yeah. In house, it's more yeah. are you hitting your objectives. Yes, which, exactly. Which is nice, but equally, I it, it I think it does sometimes lead to maybe floating or meandering um, yes, a, a little bit more. Definitely. Not all the time, of course, but. Yeah, I think it depends on the in-house setup. Whether it's a, a an actual almost like mini in-house design studio or, mm. or brand studio or whatever it is or whether it's just like a couple of people and you just kind of fit into the marketing department which is also uh, causes lots of problems yeah. <laughs> mm. so hmm that's interesting I've, I'm, I'm just thinking for like the students out there who mm. might even not know the concept of billable hours um yeah, so yeah, could we commodity. like yeah, could we sort of explain that arc of capitalism to everyone? <laughs> <laughs> Don't like it. Um, yeah, I suppose you know when you're when your agency, uh, you have a client. They have a budget. They want to spend that budget with you. You have a a day rate or a hourly rate that you're billed out at to the client. And so you know if you're budget is a hundred thousand pounds then you've got a certain number of hours depending on what your per hour rate is and different levels of creative of uh, experience I suppose whether you're a junior designer copywriter a junior or a senior or a creative director or a project manager or a traffic control person then you'll have different rates that you'll build at mm. and project managers and people at the top have to make sure that you're within the budget and you're not going over the budgets basically mm. which is hard sometimes I find I, I don't like that I think creative is really hard to put into these kind of defined mm. per hour thing even when I'm quoting for my own clients and projects and even when I'm working I find it I find it really hard I sometimes have to just like push that to one side and just work on the on the idea that I want to produce something great for my client mm. um, I'm probably not very profitable but <laughs> <laughs> I don't care <laughs> it, it, it's very difficult though isn't it because especially when you're pitching something mm. very often you end up pitching an idea of some sort some people refuse to do that some people just you know present their case study and yeah. and, and like the case studies and like you know the sort of thing that they could do and right. then they demand a retainer and all that yeah. sort of stuff and in, in all honesty, that's the way that it should work, but most clients refuse. Yeah. Mm. So you're pitching an idea, and often the most valuable thing that you've got as a person is your idea, but you've already given it away for free. Yeah. Yeah. And, at which yeah. point, and then you're like, oh, well, like, what's the value now? Okay, well, now I go and make it, which will take, you know, maybe it's a really simple thing, but a brilliant idea, so it'll only take 12 hours to make it, right. and, and then... They're getting a great idea for, for, for peanuts. But. It's hard with mm. pitching. I think that's a whole other... I used to... Um, when I was working in a, a sort of an agency, they did pitch to win more... Uh, they did free pitching. And I didn't... I, I, I was the only... I was one of the only designers in that agency because they were a colour forecasting agency. And so... So what? 
a trend forecasting agency, oh, cool. right. a colour and trend forecasting agency. I thought it was going to be my dream job. It really wasn't. Um, <laughs> they never are. <laughs> I know, right? It could have been. Um, um, and so we did a lot of pitching there, and it's really hard because I was the one coming up with all these creative concepts, spending loads of time and energy and creative stuff is tiring, whatever, mm. you know, whatever industry you're in within the creative sector. And so I've kind of, in my own business, I don't pitch unless, no, I don't really pitch. Um, That's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm very much like, well, if you've been recommended, uh, if I've been recommended to you, then, you know, take it on that. Have a meeting with me, see our work, see our portfolio, see what we've done. Um, meet with me and see whether you uh, have a, a good connection or a good vibe. And then I'll quote you on the job that you want. <laughs> mm. And then we will go forward. Um, and then I will take it in stages. If you're not happy with spending a huge amount of money straight off and you want to kind of put your feet in a little bit, I'm very happy to um, work in different ways with people. Mm. I, I realise that I work with small startups and I work with big major companies. So, you know, they all have different um, different obje- objectives and different aims and different budgets mm. and different timelines. So I'm, I can be more flexible and a bit more adaptable to people. It's all about people. Yeah. I don't want to be a bitch. I want the work. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I want the work. I also now say no to work, which is one of those beautiful places to be in life I suppose it's lovely when you can do that right and it's not because I it's not because I'm earning shit this is new to me but (laughs) yeah and it's not because I'm earning lots it's because Mm. I'm like I've mental health my mental health is so so important and it's something that I've had to really deal with um with in conjunction to work and creative output and I've I used to say yes to everything and I became ill and it was just not a very efficient way to work as a human being. So, mm. and it was really hard because my confidence levels were not high. I'm like, oh my God, I can't say no. And there's a friend of mine, he's always like, please just up your day rate and things like that. And oh I was gosh. so scared. I was like, but that means I'm not going to get the job. He's like, well, why don't you try it? And I tried it and they said yes. And I was like, oh. I Talking about self-worth, oh. you know, self-worth. Mm. It's really important, I think, in the creative industries. And I think it it's so hard and it's like dealing with this this human aspect within creative agencies, in-house studios, mm. I think it's um, so, so important. And I'm, I don't know in-house, um, in corporate environments, whether it's really looked at enough. Um, I, I, I have a gut feeling that it, well, I don't think it is. I, I think based on some, uh, we, we recently did a bit of research around um, uh, what students want out of a graduate job mm. um, and uh, I think it was something like uh, 70% of them in the focus groups which obviously they're focus groups you have to take this with a grain of salt it's yeah. not a massive sample size uh, but 70% of them said they'd be significantly more likely to want to work for a company that had an, an open and transparent policy on, on mental health um, so things around like um, you know and actually when we start talking about them most of them just want to know that it's recognised as a real thing Right. Um, and the thing is there are so many companies out there that will have a policy hidden on their website but it's it's just that it's, it's just a policy and it's just it's just it's, it's a it's a it's a hr document rather than yeah. a web being 
and and I, I I totally have the same thing. So like I I find like creative work, or I, I used to find it a lot more challenging for mental health. Um, I think I went freelance a couple of years ago, and and now obviously I um I work with Simon to run Hype, and I I feel much healthier from a mental health point of view mm. because I, I think I found it so much more difficult because you kind of define yourself when when you're creative, you define. You're, well, you're, you're, you're not, you don't just define yourself, others define you based right. on your creative output. Exactly. Yeah. So when you're flying, you're like, this is fucking amazing right. and you're on top of the world. But then when you burn out and hit a creative wall, which comes sooner or later, you just crash. It's mm. so and, and, personal. Yeah. It's so personal. It's not like an equation either where it's like if you're an accountant or other uh, industries where there's a formula and there's a mm. right and a it's wrong. It's a process. Yeah. Right? And yeah. There's a, you know, with creative, I find... There is no process. I mean, there is to a certain extent, but it's also so subjective. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've had somebody tell me that they didn't like the entire uh, concept because they didn't like the colour pink and they couldn't see past oh, that. And know. I was just like, wow. okay, can we try and focus? And, and past um, the pink. Yeah. No. <laughs> but um, going back to like, yeah, at three, so I crashed really hard with my mental health and I was so scared. Mm. I... Um, Luckily, there is a policy, and occupational health got involved, and I was off for two months, but going back was even mm. scarier. Mm. Like, you know, what are you supposed to say? I'm actually really vocal about my everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's why we've got you on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so open about my mental health, um, about everything that I've been through, I I don't, I probably should have more of a filter when I'm talking to certain people, but I really don't. I'm, I'm like, I don't care whether you're some vice, senior vice president or something. I'm just like, you're still a human being and I'm yeah. going to interact with you mm. the same way I'm going to interact with my friends, to mm. be honest. And if you can't handle that, then I don't really want to work with you. And some people find that quite hard, I think. And I'm not sure that, I, I, I guess I'm at a level in my career where I can be like that, Yeah. you know, in my 20s. That was mm. not. Um, that was not how I was. I was so scared about everything I was doing. Um, is it right? Is it good? Is it creative? Mm. I am I am I am I just shit? Am I an imposter? <laughs> that whole imposter syndrome yeah. is so real. I still get it now. I have to. And when something doesn't come, you're just like I'm like well. I've got a client deadline in a week. I want to take the rest of the week off to just Netflix and chill because mm. I'm burnt out. But so I've, I've tried to um, bring that in into deadlines, actually. Bring my mental health into deadlines. Yeah. Mm. Um, I am literally like, you're not going to get it in a week. You're going to get it in maybe two or three weeks to allow that period of, okay, well, the first week I may have absolutely no ideas and all I want to do is sleep, mm-hmm. um, which I do quite a lot of. Um, <laughs> it's part of the creative process. Right? Ex- exactly. It has to be. I'm, I'm sorry, it has to be. I, I love being my own boss just for that reason. I don't have to wake up at 6am every day, mm. that I can work on the weekend if I want, that I can take a two days off during the week, that I can come and do podcasts, that I can go to a pole class and then I can do all sorts of things. Like mm. I, Everyone said to me, you need to have a routine. You have to. When mm. I first started going freelance, it was like, you need a routine. You need to make sure you get up. You need to make sure you get dressed every day. And I was like, I understood mm. that to a, to a certain um, part. And yes, they're right. But the other part is like, well, I might as well just stay in a nine to five job. Yeah. Because yeah. what is the difference? So mm. the whole point is, 
yeah, it's hard. Um, having people around you who are in the same situation really helps. Mm. Yeah. So a- much abs- so, right? Absolutely. Um, like, so, so the, the way I um, uh, ended up joining Hype, so basically I went freelance mm. around the same time that Simon went independent and was running Hype. Yeah. He basically launched Hype uh, and, you know, it was essentially him with a brand in front of it, right? Um, and and, uh, and he did very well for the first sort of six months or so. But, but basically, I was a freelancer working for him. Yeah. And after, you know, long story short, we realised that we should have just gone into business together from the start. But during that sort of six-month period, we just had a, like a shared workspace. We both had access to it. Yeah. But just having somebody who was in that a very similar um that sort of lifestyle was just so so useful because yeah. it also meant like you know if you decided to like back to the routine thing i found the routine thing really really helped me mm. um with things like self-worth and, and, right. and ensuring you know that you feel like you're going in the right direction but i found that it was like important to have a routine but also be kind to yourself when you want to throw out the window yes. being like if it was like thursday at 11 a.m you're like well actually my next deadline's tuesday and i'm well on track for that just fuck it let's, let's, let's just go and you know right. I'm not going to, well, 11am, I'm going to the pub, but, you know, like, let's just, like, you know, like, <laughs> it's been but, done. but allowing yourself to do that sort of yeah. thing, I think yeah. the routine's good as long as you don't forget you're not shackled to the routine. Yeah, mm. and you're right, actually, and I'm probably, I, as, as much as I've just said that about through the routine, I actually do also understand that having a routine is important to me. Um, I've just got to, to figure out what that routine is. Mm. It might not be waking up at 6am and yeah. having uh, an hour and a half of yoga and having a green shake because yeah. that's just not me mm. um, as much as I wanted. <laughs> Look, <laughs> anyway. maybe one day. Oh, maybe one No, let's, let's <laughs> not do that. Um, but yes, having a routine, mm. making sure I'm fed and I'm taking my meds and I'm, you know, like doing all the other things as mm. well. Yeah. I think that's really, really important and... I really hope that studios and agencies and, and corporate companies really like, it's okay, like you say, it's it's no good just having it in a policy, mm. but to actually filter it down, it has to come from your boss. Yeah. It has to come every time. It has to be like, okay, if, you know, and I could find my, my, actually my colleagues at three were really cool about it. Um, I could come in because the three office was in Maidenhead. So I would travel from Islington to Maidenhead. So it was like an over an hour and a half commute mm. each way. It burnt me out yeah. so much. Um, so I could start later. Mm-hmm. And they were okay about it. And if I needed to take a day off, they were also kind of okay about it. And that's something that I want to um, put out there in my studio, in you know, to be more kind and just aware and actually understand the people that are working for me or mm. with me um, and just have a bit of empathy, mm-hmm. really. I'm, we can make money. Oh, God, I sound really... I sound like a complete hippie. Uh, <laughs> it is possible it. to make... It. it is possible to make money without destroying people. It's... Uh, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, if, if you're running an agency, you are fundamentally selling other people's time. Yeah. And it's, you know, it is very, very easy to be a complete and a dickhead about that. Yeah. Or you can do it in a responsible way. The thing is, like, agency rates are so much higher than freelance oh rates. Oh, my gosh. So which, which, is, which is insane. Like, <laughs> I, I remember an agency I used to work for who I, um, I, was, I was doing some freelance work for them and they questioned my day rate, which was £350 per day. Yeah. Um, and I was like, 
I've seen your rate card. You're charging your your interns out at nine hundred pounds per day. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, are, are you telling me that your interns are worth three of me? I bet them they're great, but like that that just seems broken. I know. But but the point is like wait, wait. when you have that model. Go on. An intern at nine hundred pounds oh, yeah, a day, yeah, yeah, where yeah. most likely are they even yeah. getting paid London living wage? Yeah, uh, oh, they were. To be fair, this agency was very good to them. But okay, well, uh, but at the same time, like, yeah. well, my point is, <laughs> the business that we work in doesn't need to be abusive. To it make doesn't, money. Mm. and I think that's why I, um, I, I, I say to myself that I, I didn't go into ad agencies um, because. That's not where I want to be. But I was also scared about it because I was like, I don't want to burn out like that. I also thought I wasn't good enough. But there's also this other part of, I was like, I just don't think I would enjoy being a faceless, nameless cog and being pushed that much. I was like, I'm not sure I'm built for that. Mm. Um, And I don't think that's a weakness. And it was kind of pushed to me as like, that's a weakness when I was growing up kind of thing. Like, why can't you handle that that kind of environment? I'm like... Because you don't need to. Yeah. Like mm. you probably can, but you just don't want it. There's a oh, difference. Also, yeah, like, exactly. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to burn out every six months and have to, you know, uh, I just and yeah, I am. Um, it is hard because it does then feed into your self worth as well a little bit. You're like, wait, am I just not good enough to be in a ad ag- fast paced ad agency or mm. somewhere like that? And it's like I've had to really work hard to be like, no. That's not what it's about. It's about uh, understanding what works for you personally. And I'm sure there are some people that actually love that kind of environment and they thrive off it. And that is awesome. But there's also other environments that you can be in. It's not the only environment. Um, Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think like, yeah. yeah, I think there are some people who do enjoy it. Mm. Uh, Some people who almost like, you know, there's there's the, the, the live to work types. Right. Who do exist? I don't think there are anywhere near as many of them as people no. make out. Um, <laughs> Maybe but, in the eighties. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, but but then there are some people who do love that um, and genuinely throw themselves into their job and, and, and find worth in it. Yeah. But then there are some people who are like I enjoy my job, but I'd rather not be doing it. That's why I'm getting paid for it. Yeah. You know, like, um, but yeah. So I think the. Do you find that hard with creative things though, or creative jobs mm. as well? Because for me. I, and I'm still finding this quite hard to separate like my personal life from my creative job mm. um, and there's a, there's a massive blur between yeah. it um, there still is I don't actually even have any I don't really have that many hobbies which I'm really trying hard in this year to try and actually get some hobbies that aren't yeah. just to do with creative work mm. because it ends up being oh well I'm going here because yeah, it's great, but oh, but this could feed into this project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. This could feed. I'm like, no, we need to. They need to be so separate. Um, mm. For so many years, it's not been like that. It's just mm. been. Well, I'm a designer. I'm a creative. My eyes are always open. I'm like a flipping sponge. Mm. It's exhausting. Mm. I need to find something that I can switch off and. Um, you know, put work there in one box and put a hobby mm. there in mm. a different box. And also be shit at that hobby. Yes. That's yes. the thing. That's what I'm finding so hard to do is like be like, just just be shit at something, but just do it because you actually love it. Honestly. That, and that yeah. is like, like today, so this poll class that I did, it's a private class. I'm shit. Absolute shit. It's really bad. But I loved it mm. and I felt so good. And it's not a creative, I mean, it's kind of creative, but it's mm. not really, it's got nothing to do with my work. And I think 
that's something that I've been learning is really important in mm. the past couple of years. Absolutely. It's, it's very hard to separate those things when you work in a creative space. Right. Because somewhere, somewhere at some point in history, someone defined creative marketing as art mm. and therefore decided that it should be a calling. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And, and obviously, like, in terms of, like, the actual production techniques, there's a huge amount of overlap. Yeah. Whether it's copy or whether it's illustration or whether it's, uh, you know, any, any photography, videography. Um, but ultimately, art exists to exist. And, yeah. and marketing exists to get someone paid or to get a product sold. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think we all forget that. Yeah. And I, I think, like, often there's been times where I felt guilty being like, sometimes I love my job mm. especially like you know in previous roles like sometimes I've been like I love this and sometimes I've been like I absolutely hate this because I'm hitting a creative wall yeah. and I feel worthless but like you blame yourself and you blame yourself and stuff. but like mm. it's very difficult to like a lot of times people will make you feel bad if you say I don't see this as a calling and yes. to be honest I love my job mm. but I don't see the calling like you know right? I'm, I'm not I'm not fucking Picasso right. like, you know, <laughs> the, the, the campaigns we do are great yeah. but but yeah it's um, mm. and it, yeah almost especially in like this time frame especially where I've seen a lot of this whole creative Twitter like just jump up like from about 2014 to now yeah. everyone's been like oh, you should do your passion and get paid for your passion, nine to fives with this, nine to fives with that. Really I, oh yeah, I fell into that trap very quickly. Yeah. And it's a good thing that, because initially I started off in this industry doing music. And right. it's a very good thing I don't do that now. If I'm going to do music, I can, yeah, that's, that's way harder because that, that, that went my personal. And it's a good thing yeah. I don't do that like yeah. professionally now. I'd be like, tomorrow I could drop a music video and it could be all be great. Yeah. But, it would be because I like it, not because I want to get paid from it right. or because I need like Spotify you streams or anything. No, and reason. that's why like marketing and advertising for me is a good medium. Oh, so like okay. creative enough where I can be like, um, yeah, I enjoy this, but also like withdrawn enough where I, I can realize mm-hmm. that it's, it's a job at the end of the day. But there's so many young people who sort of fall into that trap of you must absolutely do your... No one really knows what their passion necessarily is. And also, we don't have one passion for mm. our whole entire lives. Right. We have, I, I know so many people who are like 45, 35, changing their career paths completely yeah. Yeah. and just going like some people are studying degrees in something completely different from their working yeah. space and they're just going into something else. And I think that's a lesson that a lot of young people Definitely. need to learn. Yes, mm. I'm learning that with my therapist at the moment. She's like, Poonam, you need to not give your 100% to everything, every project that you do. Your client only need 70 or 80 percent of your and of your output like and not to say that that's not good um but you just don't need to constantly think that you can't put anything down on paper unless it's 100 percent mm. amazing and the best idea in the world it's okay to fulfill your clients needs or project needs at 60 70 percent because it's still really fucking good yes and then like you know it's just like and then also the idea that um Wait, what did you just say about... Um, uh, which... Um, just now. Oh, my gosh. Don't do this, Poonam. Oh, no, no, no. I kind of forgot what I said as well. Passion's changed. Passion's yes, changed. Passion's changed. So That's I was it. brought up with, you know, for my parents, it's like you choose one career path, you work on a, a linear path upwards, Yeah. one job for yeah. the rest of your life, and you just keep working up the, up the chain. And for me, it's only now that I've realised, I'm like, wait, I have to do that and younger generations are inspiring me because i feel like they just do so much stuff Mm. yeah i mean like 
belonging to the guest list network and I see emails from people and I'm like, you own seven businesses, two online platforms, <laughs> something else here, you're running a podcast, you do I'm like triggered. What? <laughs> totally. Every time an email comes through I'm like, I'm not good enough. <laughs> I, I, I feel wild, wildly inferior like when, when Sana shows me emails from, from that guest list and yeah. it, it's it's insane because I, I you know, I think there's also I, I guess probably tied to the fact that everyone's presenting the best version of their lives. And I'm sure they feel pressure now. as well to feel yeah. like they need to present, I'm doing so much and, yeah. you know, succeeding in life. And it's but, like... But the vast majority of people I know who are mm-hmm. successful, like, in their 30s, were awful at their job in their early, early 20s. <laughs> they, they were useless. Most people were fired <laughs> at least once. Most people have been, like, bollocked regularly. Sometimes like, I'm like, how are you in this job? Yeah. How So many times in the creative industry, I'm like... There are so many people that have no idea what they're doing. Mm. Think, oh my gosh. I think oh, yeah. everyone oh, doesn't have a clue what they're doing at least a percentage of the time. Yeah, totally. And I think, like, it, it. Took, it took me until the age of like 26 when I realised, oh shit, and no one actually really fully knows what they're doing. Mm. And that's fine. And it took me until uh, my 30s to and, figure that one yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah I was just glad watching, you guys are telling me this for was, free, by the way. I was, just, <laughs> I was just watching someone who I really looked up to and really respected yeah. um, doing a presentation. And he was like, he was absolutely fantastic in his presentation, but he was presenting on something that I happen to know more about him than because ah. I specialize. And I was just like, this is all wrong, but they love it. So Doesn't matter, they it. believe it. Uh, so. and, but at that point, I was like, there's this person I really look up to who just really bullshit his way through a meeting. And I was like, oh yeah, no, that's that's what everyone does, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, right. It shouldn't be encouraged, yeah. but it's a fact of life. It's not, and I yeah. want to be more honest as a, as a designer, and I really, yeah, I just, that's something that Moon Creative as a studio, I really want it to be about no bullshit and honest and transparency. Everyone says to me, you can't do that because you won't get any clients. So I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Um, but, <laughs> but I might try that actually um, because it's important, I think, to be honest. Mm. Maybe not too it, honest. Yeah, there's a balance. Yeah, there is. No one's 100% honest. Is there a balance? Should we not just be 100% honest? Well, well how can. This is going to be one of those existential questions. But how can we be 100% honest when more time we don't even know ourselves enough in, let alone, let alone like completely personally, whatever, but even yeah. in our professional settings, yeah. we don't know ourselves enough, how we, our working patterns, how we actually like to work, where we like to work, whether it be in-house or agency. Yeah. If the industry is even right for us, what we want to be doing in 20 years time, in 10 years time, in five years time, enough to be maybe that's the point the point is to be honest about that like so to say if you don't know i would like to be able to say to my clients i don't know what we're going to produce i don't know mm. that it's going to be the best thing okay maybe not say that but like yeah. i don't know exactly how long this is going to take i want you to trust the process and mm. this honest mm. collaboration that we're about to engage in i'm sure it doesn't work as they've all got bottom lines and budgets and whatever but it would be so amazing to be able to actually sit down and go Look, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, this is something that we're starting at. Let's hope, as long as everyone gets paid ish, you know, mm. decent amount, let's mm. try and be as honest about it. Of like, I don't know what your results. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm gonna. Your return on investment is going to be two hundred percent. Like, I don't know. Mm. I, I, like that. That would be something that would have absolutely terrified me earlier in my career to say that. But now it's one of my favorite things to say to a client. It's like I've got no idea. Right. Uh, like we. we you know, this is based on X, Y, and Z, the best route forward for you. Yeah. However, this is untested territory. Like if it's a new product or, yeah. you know, something like that, 
So therefore, let's try this and this and split your budget yeah. and look at it at the ends and yeah. we'll figure out, Maybe. spend 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 half mm. up front and we'll figure out whether it's a waste of money, at which point we reassess why. And but yeah. you're really good at that. I'm I'm really bad. I shouldn't say this on a podcast. I'm really bad at that. Mine's very like <laughs> gut feeling. Like, I think you should go for this mm. because I think this is... Um, and weirdly, I'm actually really good at doing that mm-hmm. um, with branding and identity. And my, even some of my, my clients and my friends have said that. It's like, you have this weird knack to be able to actually tap into what a company, an organization needs or looks mm. like or feels like without backing it up with any kind of like data or anything. Because I don't really work in market, uh, market research and data like that. Like you, you guys do that lots, right? We do, yeah. yeah. So, so, so we do research, and so the problem with student marketing is that um, if you work full time <laughs> in it, if you, if you're a full time no. student marketer, <laughs> if you're if you work full time in student marketing, you are by definition not part of your audience. So if you're going to launch like a, like a like a over fifties marketing agency, yeah, at least half the staff should be over fifty. Agreed. Right. Whereas we can't have all full time full-time students because they're already a full-time students. student um yeah. so, so so it's really important to us that we actually do do the research and do yeah. the strategy yeah. and don't just go oh and the worst thing about working in student marketing is you use the phrase back in my day it worked like this <gasps> but it's mainly day. to avoid using that phrase and being like back in my day the student Look, and it's that sort of thing. i use that phrase now i need to stop yeah you do need yeah to stop, what do you mean you use that phrase how old are you i'm 20 i literally used that phrase yesterday with my mentee <laughs> i need to stop this is, wow. it's going to make me sad if you carry on using that phrase. <laughs> wow, what are you going to be like in your 30s? Ooh, I don't know. People have been calling me like uncle since I was like 17. So th- this is, yeah. Okay. I, I don't have any nephews. Like, so this is, yeah. There's that part. Huh. Mm. Well, well, I think before we, before we descend into a full-on existential crisis Sorry. with Josh here, um, I think maybe that, that's where we should wrap it. Yes. Um, so, so, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Um, thank you for me, Paul, from Uncle Josh here. Uncle Josh. Uh, which, which I know a nickname in the office has been born. Uh, and from Poon what did I start? Oh, yeah. gosh. Can't wait. We're, we're rebranding the podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, thank you everyone for, uh, so much for listening. And yes. thank you ever so much. Thank you. Thank you.